Hello and welcome to the Extremist Publishing Podcast. I'm Tom Christie. Scottish history is the subject for today's episode and I'm delighted to be joined by two special guests, Dr David Mitchell, who is Director of Cultural Assets at Historic Environment Scotland, the Head of the Board of Trustees at the venerable Stirling Smith Art Gallery and Museum, and also one of the trustees at Stirling District Tourism. And I'm also joined by Tracy McIntosh, who has spent many years as an advisor and in many different roles involved in the cultural heritage industry in Stirling, and who now runs her own private consultancy advising on cultural heritage and historical issues. Welcome both. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. So today we're going to be talking about a brand new book, Stirling Legends, which is being published in collaboration with Stirling District Tourism and which covers many different topics and historical figures in and around the Stirling area. So how did the project come about? It's the year of Scotland Stories for Visit Scotland and as Stirling District Tourism run Legends Coffee Shop and Gift House, the two of them came together quite nicely in my head as a, a kind of ideal time to put together an anthology of legends around Stirling. And what we were really looking for were legends that are maybe slightly less well known and maybe a bit more difficult to find out about. So hopefully that's what we've come up with, with our, our anthology. So Stirling is a, it's a, a remarkably historic town as many people know, but um, Tracy's right in that what we tried to do is look at some of the stories beneath those of you know, castles, kings and queens um, to some of the more hidden histories. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that, David, because uh, I know in discussion with Murray Cook, uh, my friend, the borough archaeologist, and also one of the writers who has contributed to the book, um, he, he always said the thing that makes Stirling so special is the fact that all of that history is still here. It's still here for people yes. to come and visit and to enjoy. Um, how do you feel this book helps to bring that alive for visitors? Well, we've uh, purposely selected some stories that are not very well known um, and probably not even very well known uh, to people who've lived uh, in Stirling all their lives. Um, some that are only polite academics, perhaps, um, but we've tried to tell them in a, an engaging way and not a, an overly academic way. Um, so even in the process of the, the few that I've written, um, speaking to local people, absolutely had no idea of some of the things that had gone on locally. And I think that's one of the things that makes the book special, isn't it? Because all of these things are available for people to come and see if they're here on, on holiday or just visiting the area. Um, I myself was delighted to find out so many things that were right here on our doorstep that, as you rightly say, some people might not even have been aware were there, and hopefully this book will help them to seek it out for themselves. So, Tracy, um, what were the challenges involved in bringing together so many different authors to talk about so many subjects? Well, yeah, there, there was a bit of a challenge in pulling together a number of different people, but I think the biggest challenge was whittling down which legends we were going to, mm. to write about. Uh, I think we had a, a kind of, we chatted about it over breakfast one day, David, mm -hmm. I think four of us, and we had a, a list of legends, and it was almost between the four of us thinking, what are the most compelling, the least well-known the most surprising, perhaps, that might make that might really grip people and think, "Wow, I didn't know that." Wow, I have I have to go and see that now. And I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges was really whittling down to say, "Okay, what are we actually going to go for?" Mm -hmm. And then to think, "Okay, who can we approach to write that one?" Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was that was quite interesting. There's a tradition in Stirling of publishing. Um, I 
to the 19th century and, and, and it's interesting actually there were quite a few books published in a similar sort of vein um, none of the stories we're talking about but it's quite nice to be continuing that uh, tradition Yes, I can only uh, marvel at the Drummond Track Depot who were so successful that an extra track had to be put in at the railway station to accommodate all their books. So if there are any distributors out there listening, for extrem- extremistpublishing.com is what you, what you want to find. Uh, so uh, one of the things I was really impressed by, actually, was just how well the book chimes in with a lot of the current cultural developments that are going on in Stirling. I think particularly of the uh, very uh, well-publicised restoration of Cowan's Hospital um, and how that ties in with uh, the John Cowan story. Uh, it seems very timely, doesn't it, that he's another character that's going to be reintroduced for people who are coming to the area? Yeah, absolutely. And Cowan's Hospital is almost one of those big attractions that's tucked away in the top of Stirling as well. You've got this real concentration of amazing mm. um, heritage right in the top of Stirling, and it continues all the way down through Broad Street, through the city as well. And it's, it's, I think it's great to really pull out some of those little gems that people in Stirling might know a bit about, not an awful lot, but certainly visitors to Stirling will discover for the first time, hopefully, our book will help pull in visitors to allow them to explore some of those gems. And just as interesting, of course, is whereas Cowan was such a towering character in his day, um, we have a, a certain alchemist in Stirling Castle, and it's interesting to see him being brought back to life as well. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And that was probably the last story that uh, we managed to um, get together for the book, because we did think about it. Because to my mind, having, having worked in Stirling Castle for a long time, to me, that was a story that everyone knows. knows. Mm. You know, everyone in Stirling knows. And it was pointed out to me, and it's, no, that's just because you know Stirling Castle pretty well. Not everyone knows that story. Mm. Not everyone in Stirling knows that story. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's actually true. Yeah, I guess. Um, and it's one of the stories, I know all of the guides in Stirling Castle really enjoy that story. All the visitors seem to really enjoy it. It really seems to capture people's imagination. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a lovely one. Mm. Yeah. And of course, not all of the figures that are mentioned are from centuries ago. I mean, I noticed the, the Barnwell brothers uh, and their contribution to the Stirling story uh, has been mentioned as well. So that's a, a valuable um, aspect of Stirling's past to, to bring up too. Stirling, it's interesting, Stirling is not seen as being a particularly industrial town um, compared to, you know, towards Falkirk, etc. But actually, it did have some key industries. It was a leading manufacturer of... Uh, carriages um, and agricultural equipment um, it's an agricultural town uh, for the most part but yeah, flight is not something you would associate with Stirling and actually it was really significant and really important And staying with that topic of transport of course David, you talk um, about Stirling's maritime heritage as well Yes, it's, it's interesting for those even those who live here the, the River Forth is rather snippy uh, as, a, as a river um, but actually it has been for thousands of years a primary source of transport um, and really only um, in the past 150 or so years has that died away so um, we see huge amount of traffic up and down the river um, from the earliest dugout canoes right up to paddle steamers and uh, one of the earliest passenger services in Europe by steamship, which is 
uh, wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, of course, it would be remiss of me not to ask both of you if you have a, a favourite chapter from the book um, or, or figure that has come back to life as a result of the project. I think I have... It's not, it's not a person, it's a thing. So the, the Black Boy Fountain, which I have looked at since I was a small boy, um, has been a bit of a mystery. Um, and I've been very interested in architectural ironwork for 30 years now, and I could not work it out. And uh, in the process of researching for this book, um, I actually worked out what its origins are. Um, and it's quite an unusual piece. And I'll just say it has an association with Queen Victoria that I didn't expect. But um, you need to buy the book to find out the rest of the story. Yeah. And for me, I think um, Christiane McLagan mm. is um, one of the figures written about. And I'd, yes, I'd heard of her and I heard, I'd heard some stories about her. But I think where I cross brings, uh, brings her to life beautifully. And it's a really honest rendition. Uh, it doesn't... Um, doesn't put it up on a pedestal. It, it's it's a great it's a great story. And I just have this vision of her around the Highlands with her sheets doing her rubbings of the, <laughs> the various stones and things as well. So it's um I think that would have to be my favourite. Yeah. And I imagine another one of those situations, isn't it, where past and present collide because uh, she often her papers were presented yes. as Dublin Smith. Oh, she did. Yeah. And uh, as someone who worked at the Smith many years ago, it's nice to know that you know that aspect has continued. These informative talks are still given to this day. Yeah, um, and it's interesting. We have one of her models of a broch uh, in the collections at the Smith, which is great. And actually, a few years back, we found one of her rubbings, uh, which got the, the archaeologist I work with overexcited. Um, mm -hmm. So that has been scanned and is available. But she was a remarkable woman. Um, in lots of different ways and when you, you read her story now it just seems remarkable that she was treated the way she was for so long Yes, yeah, I mean, and it's, it says a great deal actually about Stilling's archaeological and indeed cultural heritage that these characters are so compelling that people want to come back to them, don't they, generation after generation Yeah, and I, th I think it's, uh, as Tracy mentioned earlier, there was almost an embarrassment of riches um, mm. In terms of stories, so there are, there are, there are, you know, there are dozens of stories yet to be told, um, which I think is great. Mm. Yes, and I think that's what I really admire about this book, and certainly the the collection of of different accounts that have been brought together. Um, there have been many different TV programs that talk about the. Uh, the well-known areas of Stirling and the places that are easily accessible. What I like about this book is it brings to life particular aspects that people, as you mentioned, may not necessarily be aware of and brings them back to life again. It brings a, a, a much uh, sharper focus onto these stories and I think that's something that's really commendable because it's something that I, I hope will bring people to the area um, and for those of us who live in the area, um, it perhaps brings a new aspect to those stories. Yeah, absolutely. We hope both of those things that will encourage local people to go out and explore or look at Stirling with fresh eyes or different aspects of Stirling they weren't totally aware of, but also really encourage those visitors to Stirling to delve a little bit deeper into some of the, the lesser known bits and pieces that we have that are really remarkable. Yeah, And also, with all these other legends we have, who's to say there won't be a Stirling Legends Volume 2? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's great that tourism can help to promote 
these stories. We've had a, a long association with the National Wallace Monument um, and other sites uh, within the Stirling area. So it's uh, it's great if we can spread that tourism out a little bit. And we know from research that tourists coming to Scotland now are much better informed. The internet allows them to do their research and they're quite keen to go off piste and look at things, uh, hidden histories perhaps. So that's great to, to, to enable that. Mm. Yes, I, mean, I think that's absolutely right, because I think of American friends that I have uh, who are genuinely fascinated uh, by just how far back this area goes. Um, and uh, ancient to the point, in fact, that people look at the, the Abbey Craig upon which the Wallace Monument now stands and often don't realise at one point that was the furthest point um, into the River Forth when it was still part of a much broader sea of water mm. and that the uh, the whales which would have lived there all those thousands of years ago, there are still bones in the Stirling yes. Smith collections today which they can see. Um, so I think that's a, a really remarkable thing and if anybody is coming to Stirling I would certainly recommend a visit to the Smith um, because you'll be amazed at just the uh, the sheer length of time that is covered um, by the uh, the different exhibits that are on display there. Certainly, so the, the reason Stirling exists and why it's significant is primarily down to the, the landscape and the, the location. So it really did function as a, as a gateway between uh, south and north and uh, as an access point to that. And the geology, the underlying geology of Stirling has really shaped Scotland's history in some respects and certainly the development of Stirling as a town um, on the, the crag and tail uh, formation, um, uh, yeah, it's pretty unique. I can't think of anywhere else quite like it. Mm. Yes, the, the anvil of Scottish history, as Murray Cook calls it, because it was right there at the very centre, and anybody who wanted to take Scotland had to go through Stirling. Anybody who wanted to cross the Forth, in fact, had to go through Stirling. So, as you say, it's little wonder there's just such a wealth of, of history here mm. uh, and for people to continue exploring even today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we hope this book will encourage people to do um, their, their own research and uh, certainly history is not the domain of academics alone and uh, we've got some really talented local historians here in Stirling that produce wonderful work. Yeah, because that's the, the key thing, isn't it? As you say, that hopefully the, the book will spark an entirely new sense of imagination in people and will make them want to go out and find out more. So in that sense, it could be a very, very useful uh, starting point. It's, um, as somebody who writes occasionally for things, I, I, uh, I'm always, actually, I used to fear putting something in print that somebody would contradict, but actually it's quite unusual now not to do something that doesn't then produce another nugget of information. So I'll be really disappointed if we don't get some new nuggets of information from this book. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any particular ambitions for the book in the long term? What would you like to see? Would you like to see people responding to the stories, coming to the area, finding out more about the different things that are mentioned or all of the above? I think it would be really nice to see people visiting things that are lesser known. Um, one of the stories I wrote about St Ninian's Kirk um, is literally a few hundred feet from my house and people really don't know the story and what it is and it's actually remarkable in lots of different ways um, and I think it would be great to see it's, it's a little bit down at heels at the minute but that 
level of interest is starting to spark some interest locally about doing some res restoration conservation work. So if we can support that in uh, some respect, I think that would be really exciting. Because mm. that is a fascinating story, actually. And I know that uh, one of the illustrations in the book um, is of the Jacobite-era fan that uh, depicts the explosion of St Ninian's yes. Kirk and the, the fact that the, uh, the tower still stands uh, is actually quite a, a remarkable thing. So uh, I would certainly encourage people to, to read the book for that story alone, in fact, because it's a, it's a really fascinating tale. Yes, it is. And I, uh, I look at that building often and... Uh, something that was quite cool to me um, through doing the research for the book I've been talking to the, the minister of that church and he took me up to the top of the tower which is very cool and not many people uh, get to do that so and through that actually we've had a discussion and we're going to see if we can look at a project uh, to bring visitor access back to that site again um, and it is incredibly important yeah I mean, absolutely. It's just one of so many different sites in Stirling that have attracted people for, for centuries. I'm reminded um, in the past of a, an account of ancient Egypt, where the culture lasted so long there were actually ancient Egyptian archaeologists who were looking back at the culture that existed. And in a, in a strange sort of way, Stirling's a little bit like that. Um, that's the amazing thing, isn't it, that you can look back and see what the, the views were of people in the Stuart court of their past, and now we can look back on them. Um, it, it's a, it really is a remarkable thing. And, uh, of course, let's not forget the, the pop culture aspect as well, the fact that authors like George R. R. Martin um, have been uh, influenced by Stirling Castle and accounts of the Stuart Kings when writing Game of Thrones. So that history is still alive today. It is. Um, yeah, I often have mixed feelings. It's, 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 it's wonderful that... Um, People are inspired to come and see the magic of the real, as sometimes I've heard it uh, described. Um, but yes, these are, are, are things that draw people into Stirling and uh, we hope then they can discover the real history because real history is usually more exciting mm. uh, than fiction. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. One of the um, stories about Campus Kenneth Abbey as well, we... Um, we looked at that story and there was a, a fabulous line, I think it was Murray Cook came up with, uh, about Campus Kenneth Abbey, that it's uh, a crook in the fourth is worth more than an earldom in the north. Yeah, yeah how, how cool is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it doesn't feature in the particular story there, but it's, um, it's such an incredible monument as well. And again, the view of it from the, the foot of the, the National Wallace Monument is, is pretty fantastic. But it's one that isn't really visited much at all. And it's one of these places that I, I've come to discover it, and quite often we take a picnic and go and sit in the just beside the grounds there, but it's, it, there's very rarely anyone visiting or even having a wander around the grounds, and it's really a fabulous site. Mm, it is, absolutely. Mm. And not just because part of it is so well preserved, but the part of it that isn't, you can still see the grandeur of that building, the, the, sh the sheer scale of it, uh, even though so much of it now is in ruins. It's, it's a remarkable place to, to visit. And the connection with Robert the Bruce there as well. Yeah. yeah, is, yeah. Is, is good too. So, thank you, David and Tracy, for giving your thoughts about uh, Stirling Legends. It's been fascinating to talk to you both about, really, a, a book that I think has something to interest everyone. Um, there are so many different writers involved and so many different topics discussed. That I, I know that anyone 
who has an interest in Scottish history will want to pick this book up and discover it for themselves. And even better yet, if they want to come to Stirling and bring the book with them uh, to discover the places that are there, uh, I'm sure that that would be the best outcome for everyone. So thank you both very much for, for being involved today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, Tom. Stirling Legends is available to buy from all goods, independent retailers and online booksellers worldwide. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope that you'll tune in again soon. If you would like to find out more about advertising on the Extremist Publishing Podcast, please visit their website at www.extremistpublishing.com for details.